the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 363. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Bill Bennett. And I'm Savannah Peterson. Well, welcome along to both of you. Now, Bill... We'll start with you. Maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into this world of tech and media. I'm a journalist. Um, I've been a journalist forever. I write about technology and business. Um, I blog about these things. You can find my blog online. Um, it's under my name. Um, and um, that's it, really. Thank you. Well, always good to have you on. You always have great opinions about what's happening in the tech world. You always have your finger on the pulse, especially on the telco stuff. There is nobody that seems to uh, come on the show that is as closely in touch with what the telcos are up to. And uh, I think that's, that's good, especially some of the topics that we're chatting about tonight. And Savannah. So I run a company called Savvy Millennial, where I help the people, products, and brands I want to see grow. Those are normally tech products, and I do a lot of business between the United States, if you can't tell from my accent. I'm actually from San Francisco. do a lot of business between Kiwis and Americans, and I also have a YouTube channel, Savvy Millennial. You're welcome to check out, or you can find me at savannahpeterson.com. Well, thank you for uh, for coming and joining the show, uh, and we also sure. had the chance to hang out this afternoon and record a New Zealand business podcast. So we've got a few episodes now uh, that are in the can. We'll be coming up. Uh, shortly. Now, let's jump straight into one of those telco topics. Uh, this is about Vodafone getting rid of their old PSTN services. Bill, remind listeners, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there will be a, there'll be a mix. Some people will be scratching their head trying to remember what PSTN stands for. Can you remember? Yeah, public switch telephone network. Oh, pass. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Do we have a prize for the man? Yeah, it's uh, also known as POTS, plain old television, the telephone system. So Spark announced a few months ago they were, get, they were getting yep. rid of their old sort of, this basically analog uh, phone system. Yep. Vodafone have now, um, you know, Yes. Followed, but but they're, they're quite different in terms of where they are at and yeah. you know what technology I, that, I don't that they think had. Spark have much um, analog technology anymore. Anyway, it's, I think it was largely digital. But the analog technology um, used to get it in exchanges not so long ago. Actually, it was about a hundred years old, and it was invented by, um, believe it or not, it was invented by an undertaker who um, had trouble getting. People had trouble getting through to him on the line, so he had invented an automatic exchange that people could route numbers, uh, route to telephone numbers without actually having to go through an operator. Um, Spark in April, Spark said they were going to get rid of the old public switch network and move to um, all digital, pretty much the the phone system that you'll need in the fiber era when we no longer have copper lines and so on. And that was quite a big story at the time, right? Yeah. Because they've oh, yeah. got all all sorts of uh, old, and it's you know pretty aging gadgetry sitting around telephone exchanges right around the country. Yeah, four hundred and four hundred and something telephone exchanges. Yeah, plus a number of access points, um, and that's all going. But it's a five-year project. It's a five-year. Um, what's the thing? What's the thing about the five-year mission? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for um, for Spark, um, and quite a challenge for them to maintain it because they were having to get oh. access to second-hand kit from varying parts of the world, if I recall correctly, to, you, to be able to uh, actually support to it. The, listen to the comments from the Spark um, GM Simon Muta. He's quite often telling you how awful copper is anyway. So. Um, so there may be a vested interest in, in well, in that there one. is, but there's, but it's just, it's, but it's something that needed to happen anyway. They, I mean, this was always going to happen, and um, they're doing it, and that's good, and it's going to take forever. But Vodafone have decided to jump the gun and move fast. Now, Vodafone, I think they've been buying their um, their PSTN um, services from Spark anyway, but they're moving everyone off, and they're moving off pretty fast. I mean, they announced this week that they'll start moving people this month. Um, the first people to go will be people that have VDSL accounts um, on cop- on the copper network. Um, they'll be moving their own FiberX people and people with older copper you know, ADSL plans 
um, sometime next year. But it's all going to happen really quite quickly. Um, do you do, uh, and and look? I haven't had too much of a chance to uh, to research this one, um, and and got dropped in it when uh, one of the radio stations called me about it today. But one of the bits that I'm curious about is: does this cover the the business side of things? So yeah, you know, yeah. re- residential wise, uh, you know, that stuff's probably a lot easier. But when they bought uh, Telstra Clear. Uh, Telstra Clear actually had a lot of their own uh, wow. copper in the ground. In fact, in, in our premises here, we had uh, we don't you know, use it anymore. But uh, a VDSL internet connection uh, that was not using you know the chorus yeah. old telecom copper. It's, it was it's all going. This. Um, yeah. I mean, and there's, there's a new they've got new plans for uh, businesses which include voice over IP and broadband and so on, all in one plan. Um, you have to sign up for twenty four months, which I think is going to be is going to annoy some customers. But when know, was the last time you committed to anything for two years? Oh, yeah, I mean, marriages don't last that long, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, um, in some cases, that is true. Yeah. Um, but um, um, yeah, there's there are there are new plans and there's some new pricing. I don't think the prices change too much actually. But there's there are there are unlimited plans that are about a hundred. Hundred hundred twenty dollars, that kind of um, pricing. Um, the issue is going to be for people that have alarms that still use the copper network. That's not going to be catered for initially. Um, but you know, really, if you've got an alarm using the copper network, it's time to start planning your way out of that anyway. Um, and frankly, companies selling alarm systems using the copper networks really need to, you know take a good look at themselves and ask themselves what are we doing here um it's an unfortunate reality though a a lot of businesses don't put themselves so much in in their customers shoes and think about those and have those sort of discussions they'll just go out and sell what they can sell today get the commission today and then when in six or 12 months you can't uh you can't get an old uh uh, yeah, PSTN or well, a POTS connection, then uh, you come maybe come back to them if you still trust well, them. Well, I've and, got um, the, the answer upgrade. to them is the other thing that's been announced in re- in the last year is that both Spark and Vodafone are putting in their own um, Internet of Things networks, and that should sort all that pro- all those problems out. Alarms will be able to talk directly over those networks, yeah. won't they? And yeah. you can already uh, get options and um, to. Uh, do those communications over you know, standard internet connection or um, mobile networks? Unfortunately, often those um, pieces that are in alarm systems are tied back to two G yeah. networks, so that's they have the, they have the same obsolescence <laughs> issues. Yeah, well, that, that's going pretty soon too. But anyway, the thing the thing is here is that Sp- uh, sorry, Vodafone is moving on at a pace and. Um, um, there's there's a sort of aggression about some of the things that Vodafone's doing at the moment. We might, we'll speak a bit more about that in a moment. But um, Vodafone are actually quite aggressive, and the competition between Vodafone, Spark, and, and Two Degrees is probably as aggressive as it's ever been. Um, so you know, there's some there's some good competitive stuff happening in the marketplace. Okay, quick survey: Who in the room still has a landline phone? I. Too, but I have it for a very specific reason. I don't, and I never have since I left the home of my mother. Yeah. So I mean, I am a millennial, but I'm 29, and I've never had a landline. Well, we have a we have a client who's uh, for our business, of my wife's business, who's um, rather old and finds he can't hear people talking on the mobile network. So we use we're keeping that, but when that client retires, and it won't be too long, then the phone goes. Yeah, I can't remember how many years ago we got rid of having a, a home phone, but it. Um, I tell you, it, it, only it's, ever it's been quite a long, quite news. a long time. It's, it's, the only time it rings is when someone has found five million dollars down the back of their sofa in Nigeria that happens to be yours, or <laughs> or there's something wrong with your Windows computer. Please go to it now. There's never any good news. That thing, but we, ha- but as I say, we have a client who uses that, and until he uh, retires, we're going to keep it. Mm. Well, I think the only other application too is emergency situations. So cell networks drop. I mean, in the U.S., whenever there's anything fires, we just had in Napa. I have family there. They didn't have cell networks for days, and their landlines are what get them out. 
We haven't had that here with our disasters. The cell networks usually back up quite fast in New Zealand. Interesting. Population. Um, yeah, partly. And I think it's also um, there's, there's, there's a different sort of readiness. We have a different profile, you know, different emergency profile, different readiness of things. So, um, Kaikoura got, um, uh, Kaikoura got hit with, um, you know, when, when they had the earthquake. But the cellular was up pretty fast, or a, well, a network was up pretty fast. Um, within 24 hours, so I've just written a feature mm. about this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, but yeah. the, but Kaikoura, Kaikoura had like, people in Kaikoura had connections pretty fast, and the first network to go back on was the cellular network. Um, it's a rare event in New Zealand where where you know it's a, it's a rare disaster where the cellular network's out for 24 hours. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Interesting. Yet another reason to emigrate. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so back onto Vodafone, straight back to Vodafone after we finished talking about Vodafone, Vodafone TV. So I, um, I spent a bit of time badgering Vodafone, I've got to say, around this new Vodafone TV box. And partly because I've been somewhat outspoken over the last uh, six to 12 months around the what I believe has been pretty poor performance of Sky TV in terms of did any sort of digital innovation and you know i felt they've been performing pretty poorly i don't know if you've got any thoughts on uh, on that bill i suspect that that was all tied up with the planned merger with vodafone well i think they were idiots then to sit on their hands for 18 months trying to work on a merger without having something parallel going uh, it's easy to say in hindsight but that that's kind of what's been suggested but i think that i i think the problem there's there's issues that go beyond that. It's not just a, it's not just a technical problem. I mean, lots of people say that kind of thing, um, but that's not really the you know it wasn't the fo- it wasn't the company's focus. You can buy that technology in. The interesting thing about Vodafone TV is this is the product that was probably the merger was all about. You know, if you think if you go back and think over that merger and the rhetoric around the time and so on. This was always the plan. So what's happened is, in effect, the fruits of that merger, as far as the consumer is concerned, are happening anyway. Yeah. Um, and and I, I mean, I, when I say it, when I when I when I call a company idiots, obviously that doesn't actually make much sense because there's lots of individuals there. There's lots of challenges, and it's much easier to sort of point the finger in and think, "Oh, I could have done that better." Which yeah, um, it's a little bit a little bit easy to uh, to throw stones from the outside. Um, but yeah, I I do think they could have done better. Well, yeah, but I mean, it sounds like I'm letting I'm letting them off lightly, but I don't think so. I think they always had a plan that they weren't going to develop that technology; they were going to get it in from somewhere else. Um, you know, that's that's the model, that's the business they're in. They're not a they're not a technology company, and that's the mistake. People judge them as though they're a technology company. They're not. Um, it's the same. But as, they need to be. Every company well, needs to be a technology Paul, company the newspa- these days. Newspapers didn't go out and invent iPads. You know, they no, but they still they still need to get with technology and yeah, be digital. But they, digital. They, they didn't. They don't develop it themselves, and that's the point. Oh well, that's okay. That's yeah. okay. But they they still they still have to uh, deliver using or deliver to audience using, I mean, using say, the appropriate you could technology. Say perhaps they should have developed stuff, but uh, quite frankly, if a, if a newspaper had come up with an iPad, no one would have listened. Even if it had been an iPad, no one would have listened. Um, Apple come up with it, and the world wants to know. I think the same with Sky. If Sky had come up with something else, people wouldn't listen. They wouldn't be impressed. But because it's a Vodafone box, people look at it differently. That's that's my two cents worth. <laughs> okay. Well, let me before um, I ask you some questions, Savannah. Just a quick a quick run through on a few days uh, with the Vodafone TV box. Um, now, it did take me a little bit longer than it should have to get it working because I had a, a fault with my uh, home router, but sorted that. Um, basically, you, you know, you plug the box in, power, plug it into your TV, boom, you know, up it, up it comes very quickly. Uh, in fact, when I plugged it in at the office, I'd left the remote at home and it just started stream, streaming. I plugged it in one morning and it started streaming TVNZ Breakfast. 
Uh, so, and I'm not quite sure why that that <laughs> kicked in, but it just started. A little product placement, started, maybe. Started uh, streaming some content straight away. So <laughs> maybe that was what the last person had. Good job it wasn't a porn channel. Uh, had been doing in their testing. Um, so it proved to be very quickly that it worked. Interestingly, at that point, and this is sold as a product that needs to work on the Vodafone network. I wasn't on the Vodafone network. Now this was a was a uh, yeah pre-release box, and I think I was probably looking at it. Uh, you know. Before any members of the public would would have had it, so they may well have changed that and locked it down. That you have to be on the Vodafone network. I know that's certainly the official line, um, but just a just a heads up for those who are sort of curious and are thinking, "Oh, I've been, you know, um, I've got one of these at home. I'm maybe going away to my um, you know holiday house batch for the weekend, and I want to watch a game or something." Um, hey, take it and try it out. Be interested in uh, in, in feedback on that. Uh, but basically reasonably easy interface to get around you've got a Netflix icon there you've got a few other apps um, there's a quite a nice um, set of content sort of nature type uh, programs that are just all on there and free to access within the within the bundle um, we have the three now apps you can get TV3's content on uh, on demand which is available across smart TVs and, and whatnot. anyway and um, I'd forgotten that you need to go in and sign into that uh, app, so there's another little hoop to jump through like you do with Netflix. Uh, the TVNZ On Demand app is coming, and ooh, what's the other one? Uh, there's iHeartRadio on there. There's one more uh, that's coming uh, soon as well. Uh, maybe that was the Ro- uh, I think the Rover app's on there uh, as well, which is uh, MediaWorks uh, Audio. So anyway, there's a, there's a, a few bits and pieces on there. Um, but for me, it was a thing of sort of getting reintroduced to the world of um, linear television because I haven't actually had normal TV or Sky for a while, no. and so um, it was yeah, it was it was kind of odd, and you'd leave it playing, and then the next program comes on, and um, such a novel idea. It, it, right? it was like oh wow. Um, I, I, but, I freaked out in the um, Air New Zealand lounge when I the Corio lounge when I saw. TV advertising. I thought, what the hell's this? It's ten years since I've seen an advertisement. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, if you if you've if you've been away from uh, from linear TV, then yeah, those things are are a little bit um, um, you know of a shock to the to the system. And actually, uh, Sunday morning, uh, one of my team. Um, uh, was on uh, was on TV. Now he's uh, he's overseas at the moment, but I'd been overseas uh, when this uh, interview opportunity came up, and um, and I, and I put him forward, and um, they they were you know very happy to have him, and I thought oh well I should I should watch this, so I went in and. Uh, by the time I realised it was on, I had missed it. But because of the way it's all sort of cloud connected, it was it um, it does do some smart stuff. And I was able to record a program post it having been on, which I thought was kind of kind of cool because it gives you that DVR or digital video recorder and the cloud type uh, functionality. The base. Um, uh, plan with the Vodafone TV gives you about 200 hours worth of uh, worth of content. You've also got the option if you're wanting to stream something. That, let's say you, oh, I'd like to watch the the six o'clock news tonight. Um, you know, you can click on that and either start where it is and catch it completely live or roll back to the beginning. So there's you know a bunch of those bits and pieces. Matches as well. If you want, say you want to watch a test match, um, you can start watching it. And if you've got a bathroom break or something, go out to the bathroom. Come back and you can start it from the point where it where you where you left. Yeah, so all of those functions are really good, but there's no hard drive in it. It's all happening entirely in the cloud. Um, so this should be a much more reliable box. It should be a much lower cost box. Most of the expense is what goes on in the cloud. They can produce new apps for it reasonably easy. They're HTML5 apps, so it's not that there's a whole lot of you know coding that has to be done uh, for the for the platform. It's you know it's smart. somewhat um, you know somewhat simple, which I think we're getting used to with the smart tv platforms and and so on um but it'll look overall if you if you're already using sky you want to move on to the next thing or you maybe miss some of the you know some of the channels or some of the content then 
Look, it it works and it works pretty well. It works better than any other um, you know way of um, of consuming Sky that I've seen in the past. Uh, it can deliver up to 4K uh, content. So while we don't have 4K on our you know New Zealand networks, uh, it'll I'm pretty sure it does Netflix and 4K. There's a couple of things it will do in uh, in 4K. I, I believe. I think I've got that right. You have to have um, a hundred megabit connection though. Well, te- technically, yes, um, or that's how it's sold. So they don't sell it to work on VDSL or to work on any other types of connections. I will admit that I did see it actually working across a 4G mobile network, <laughs> and it was running okay. Now, the, the, the main bit of um, when you're watching the TV stream, we were watching some, there's a place where you can actually go in and check the uh, bandwidth usage, and for the TV streaming, it was using about 8 megabits. Yeah. Um, so that gives you a little bit of a, an idea, but I think they're very keen on making sure it's a really good experience, yeah. that you're not getting stops and starts and blurry. Uh, the quality does sort of wind up for anyone that's used to Netflix. You hit play, it's a little bit blurry to, you know, to start with, and, uh, and then the quality gets much better very quickly. Uh, that, that type of experience is, uh, is normal. Uh, it gets better very, you know, good quickly. Uh, there are a few things, and maybe this is just because I haven't used, um, you know, a traditional uh, linear TV and a and a digital video recorder uh, for for some time. Certainly not on a regular basis, where it took me a, a while to figure out a few things. But uh, in general, it doesn't. It only took a few minutes to to really get around and um, uh, get a get a handle on it. What I would like to see is the the missing pieces of the puzzle. So I'd love to see Amazon streaming on there as well. Uh, in New Zealand, of course, we have Lightbox that I would like to see bundled in. Um, if you had really those were those are the only two things that that sort of jump out to me now is drop those in there and you've kind of got this complete set top box that's you know all well. Almost perfect for New Zealand. There's there's a couple of other apps that are, that I know are quite popular out there that people use for uh, for for content. Um, that may the content itself may not always be entirely legal. Um, so I imagine there would be a, a segment that would be quite keen for that for that. Uh, but that segment may not be so concerned about having it all in one nice, easy to use uh, package. Is the remote voice controlled? Um, no, actually, that's a good. It's a good point because um, I've got it hooked up to a 4K uh, TV, which has voice control on it, and I, I've not generally used it. Uh, but I did try that the other day, and you know, said something in there, and it, and it, and it went through, and it found that particular content, and I can't remember what I was asking for, uh, but it was able to kind of look across the the ecosystem that the TV had access to and say, well, I can find it on Netflix or you can find it here or there. Um, and we're kind of used to now the, the technology that will sort of scan through the different offerings and find the content. And that is one of the features that it, that it offers is you can go and search and it will, it'll pull in and let you know where you can consume it from, whether it's in the on demand, uh, you know, content from Sky, whether it's on a particular TV channel or whether it's on uh, Netflix and, and the like. So, um, that is good, but yeah, no, no voice piece. I think that's so interesting. We we just went back to box. So so in the U.S., our company is called Comcast, but it's the same same style of thing. They brought the box back, integrated Netflix and all of our other bits into it. And uh, I was very skeptical. It's my partner who wanted to bring it back so we could watch American football live. And what was actually most delightful for me is the remote is now voice control. So no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I'm able to control the TV kind of through that. And it it was enough for me to really get excited about it. So Sky and Voda, get on it. Yeah. So um, I may find myself buying a TV. I don't have a TV. Well, I don't have a modern TV we use. So I think I may find myself buying one, actually. Well, the other piece of this puzzle is you've got the app that you can run, Bill, on your uh, yeah, well, that- on your iPad or on your, um, you know, on your smartphone. And that gives another dimension. Um, now, a couple of interesting bits that I got that I hadn't heard from their previous uh, press release. In fact, I think it was only last week that they ended up launching the um, launching the pricing, and then the next day after that, they made the product. Uh, they made Vodafone TV available to order. Um, and so that they and they had pre-announced. Look, you're going to be able to get this on a twelve or a twenty-four month contract. 
which you know I totally understand. But a couple of new bits of info came out. They, uh, when I'd sort of delved in a little bit more, they said, "Well, you look if you're an existing Vodafone customer, yeah, you will be able to get this on its own. You pay seventy dollars a month, and you will get." You know, access to the Vodafone TV. They'll give you the box. You can run it also on your on your smartphone or tablet as a as an extra screen. Uh, I think you can watch different content on on both uh, if you wish. Tea content up on the phone as well. What's that? You can tea content up. So you yes, you can. Yeah. You can choose what's going to come through yeah. the main box, can't yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, so seventy dollars a month gets you gets you that plan. Now the thing, and then the other piece was you can pay an extra twenty dollars a month and get a a second uh, a second box. Now this is interesting because back in the day, I recall from a particular um, uh, scenario. Uh, talking to talking to Sky on on one occasion, uh, I was moving house and we wanted to have Sky at the new location and the old location. They said, "Oh, you can just order an extra box for whatever the price was. It was probably you know maybe twenty dollars a month then, and uh, you were on a single subscription, but you were able to use it in two different locations." Well, uh, it seems technically that may be. Um, may be possible with this new one because I you know I asked them well what if you've got a beach house or somewhere you go and you'd like to take uh, you know take a box away maybe there's somebody sort of staying at the main house that still wants to get content uh, well and in, in theory that would uh, that would work as well so I just thought well that's that's curious some people who uh, may you know uh, take advantage but it uh, it is nice that that uh, that, that option is uh, is available. And as standard, it gives you content in uh, in H HD uh, where the content is in HD. And what else was there to that uh, to that picture? Oh, it it is giving you kind of the base um, Sky uh, bundle, so you still have to pay extra if you want uh, Sky Movies or uh, Sky Sport. So those those types of things are, are extras, and I'm sure uh, people that are um, regular uh, Sky users will kind of be able to have a look and see what they what they pay for on their uh, on their package. So it does bump the cost up a little bit. Bill, what were the prices that you saw? Was it 120 dollars? Was the bundle that gives you a hundred hundred uh, megabit or a hundred slash twenty megabit unlimited it, internet connection and off, and the box yeah, on the twenty four month I term? Think it was one hundred and thirty. One hundred and thirty. Yeah. Okay, and then I think the twelve month term is about ten dollars more. Yeah. Uh, and like, then I think you can get a ten dollar discount if you've got a Vodafone on account mobile. Somewhere yeah. along those lines. Check the website. Um, I don't think they. When I looked last week, they weren't giving all of the detail. They didn't mention the seventy dollar month by month option for for those who uh, have an existing Vodafone connection. Uh, that oh, actually, there's a slightly more expensive bundle, about twenty dollars more, that does give you the second set top box and uh, two and a half times the cloud storage. I, you get the impression that Vodafone have pushed this out quite has pushed this out quite quickly. Um, so, you know, it seems to be sort of a bit of a work in progress still. Yeah, I mean, within, uh, yeah, they didn't have all the apps ready, for yeah. instance. So, uh, but look, I like that approach. I think that sort of that sort of mindset, look, we've got something. Uh, it's at least a minimum viable product is, you know, the term that's often often used in the, in the startup world and the creation of new products. Uh, look, I think it's good enough to go and to, uh, and to get out there. And uh, look, good. Good on them, and I think we also have heard that uh, Sky are going to be licensing this in some form. So we'll see some variation of it from Sky themselves for, well, for other customers. About, Sky has Sky has talked about that, mm. um, but I think there's there may be some Vodafone exclusivity in there as well. So. I, I, I imagine so. All right, enough on uh, on Vodafone things. A few other uh, gadgets that we should uh, talk about. Uh, there's iPhone X, uh, we've got some new phones that are just being uh, launched in the next uh, hour or two as we're recording from uh, Huawei, their Mate 10 and Mate 10 Pro. Uh, we've got there the new uh, Nokia 3310, some initial impressions on that. 
uh, we've got the Meccano robot sitting in the corner that we all uh, we all uh, had a bit of fun with when we fired that up earlier on. Um, I guess that falls into the fun stuff category, um, which is really where the Vodafone TV sits as well. But let's have a chat through a couple of other um, things in that in that fun category. The new Xbox One X uh, that's just launched here in New Zealand and uh, and around the world, and we've got that plugged in um, to 4K TV at the moment. And yeah, I um, asked for the guys in the office uh, who would want to help me with a um, a mundane task. And then when I mentioned what it was, uh, it was no problem finding someone wanting to have a bit of a play with that. It is an incredibly powerful uh, console, a lot of computing power uh, in that uh, in that little box. And uh, yeah, I would like to have a lot more time to play with it, but uh, haven't had just yet. Um, now we've it's. I guess it's sort of you know, a couple of claim to fame for the new Xbox is that it's it's 4K and it's just got loads of uh, processing power. So in theory, it should deliver the best uh, gaming experience that you can get on a on a console. Um, but also, it uh, doubles as a 4K Blu-ray DVD player, um, which is kind of kind of nice if you're into really that absolutely top-notch video. I have to say that sloth we saw swimming a few minutes ago when we were playing with it from planet Earth was spectacular. Uh, absolutely beautiful. <clears throat> One of the things I think is actually interesting about the Xbox One, and I'm I'm not a gamer by trade, as we were joking, I think the last time I gamed was when I was the height of the Meccano, which is about a meter tall. So... I think that um, what's fascinating about what they're doing here is I think they're appealing to more than just the core gamer, also by having this player in there, as we saw. But more importantly, they're, they're partnering with Dolby, and they have the Dolby Atmos audio system inside, which is super compelling. I, I have the good fortune of having friends at Dolby and have actually sat inside their sound theater in San Francisco, where they create the future of sound. And it is an entirely different audio experience. It's magical if you ever have a chance to go to one of their screenings do sound really can change an experience so seeing xbox and microsoft embrace this audio integration i think will enhance the experience in a way that that people aren't expecting from a console so i'm, I'm definitely more curious to try this out than i have most things in the past and bill what, what do you think about the um that aspect of video we were chatting earlier you you said 4k video for you isn't you know doesn't get you too excited I'm not, yeah, I'm not really a sort of video TV kind of person, so yeah, <laughs> um, it's not my. It doesn't fire me up, mm. um, and I'm, and I'm, you know, the last time I gamed, I think it was Mario Kart, so you know, so we're talking twenty years ago or something. Yeah, well, I think um, you know this will definitely be the console sort of for the you know the the real game you know gaming fan. And of course, they're up against uh, Sony, who you know have launched their new console uh, as as well. Um, and yeah, the, there's uh, there's a big difference between you know the two from you know Sony's perspective. They've just got so much more market share that it means they've got more of the exclusive games and so on that makes uh, makes them stand out from that perspective. So you know, Microsoft have had to come in with a console that's actually got a chunk more grunt than what Sony has and. Boy, picking up the um, picking up the Xbox uh, One X, it was like, wow, have they got lead in here? But you know, it's just the the raw you know compute power and the the um, uh, cooling that's uh, in there makes it a, a pretty heavy uh, heavy beast. And if you're playing the uh, the hefty games, uh, then you know those uh, fans and so on, um, you know, fire up a bit to uh, to keep it cool. Uh, but looks very looks very nice, and um, yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, they'll sell a few of those, and um, it's it's very nice having the. I I think uh, having 4K um, that's actually able to keep up with the games because one of the things I remember with the uh, the Xbox One when it came out, it was like, oh, full HD, this is fantastic, and then you'd fire up your games and find that most of the games weren't actually able to deliver 
uh, in full HD. And I'm sure that will be the case. There'll be games on this uh, that won't be, uh, you know, new games that are written for it that still won't, uh, you know, fully uh, take advantage of the of the 4K. And it's, you know, I think it's a, it's a challenge to make all that stuff work perfectly. Um, but it's good having the extra horsepower in there. Um, now, the, the thing that I had the most fun with in tech in recent days is a product from a company called Anki. Now, Savannah, you know a little bit about these guys because you came across them sort of early on in their, in their life. Um, was that in, in Silicon Valley or in New York? Where did you, where did you come across these yes, guys? Yes, so the Anki Overdrive folks, and we're talking about a really fun slot car play, if you haven't seen it. They're little autonomous, essentially autonomous, race cars that go around a track that is smart and you can race and battle each other. And it's quite fun. I, I had the pleasure of first experiencing this Toy feels like a funny word when things are this sophisticated, but this product, while I was working for Shapeways, the 3D printing plant platform in New York City, because they happened to be in the same investment portfolio. So both the company I was working for, as well as Anki, was invested in by Andreessen Horowitz. So for any of you familiar with venture capital, that's one of the big names, perhaps the biggest name in the Silicon Valley. So what I think is very fun is you don't see a lot of toy companies receiving that kind of attention from the venture capital world and so to have a very well funded smart toy is kind of interesting so I have to say I mean I first started playing with the product back in 2013 2014 so it was quite fun to see the improvements they've made while we were playing with it earlier Paul yeah so these are uh, this particular kit it's the um Anki, I'm trying to follow your pronunciation. I call it Anki, A-N-K-I, Anki. Americans and Kiwis will um, never sound the same, and that's okay. Overdrive, Fast and Furious Edition, uh, $339 is what I'm seeing it at um, at re- retailers for here uh, locally. Uh, so for what it is, that actually seems seems reasonable to me. Um, but, you know, it, com- it comes down to, uh, you know, I guess – how much fun your family's going to get out of it and uh, and so on. But um, Pablo and I over the weekend, and Pablo is uh, just about to turn seven, uh, we had a lot of fun playing with it. Now, the, the standard kit includes two, uh, two cars, and I guess I could, I'll run through very quickly how it's sort of different from the old uh, slot car sets that, that people might uh, remember. So there, there's no slot. So these cars just drop onto a, onto a track. And uh, the track that you get is just all of the um, all of these flat pieces. You just put them onto whatever you know floor uh, you've got, and they're magnetic, so they click together really quick. It is so quick to put this track together. It is it's nuts. It's um, it's so quick and so easy. Uh, probably the only hard bit is if you put the there's little edging bits for uh, for the corners so the cars don't uh, um, fly off at the corners. That's um, that was the only bit that probably Pablo had a challenge with and and needed any sort of uh, help with. But putting the track together is easy. You can put the track together in really any configuration that you want, uh, and you can get extra track pieces as well. Um, and what happens is you drop these cars onto the track, you fire up the app, uh, Android or iOS, and you can mix phones and talk to them, no problem at all. Uh, and what happens is you connect to these cars over Bluetooth and they take about eight to ten minutes uh, each to uh, to charge up. And then you can either have the um, the app uh, control one of the cars uh, or you can just play against uh, each other. And there's a whole variety of different uh Different types of challenges and races and so on that you can uh, you can do, uh, but you drop them onto the track, and uh, what happens is you just get an option when you fire up the app, and the cars will drive themselves. And you saw this as well, Bill. Right? I think you were here when we when we fired it up. Um, the cars just you know they they uh, I guess have, and I haven't even had a look at the the technology yet, but. They've got, uh, um, I'm presuming, probably just a camera or a laser that basically picks up some lines that are uh, that are printed onto the track, and they find their own way around the track and then map it out for you on the screen. So it knows what track it is, Um, and it figures it out. If you put a car on the wrong way around, 
it'll automatically turn itself around and come back. And yeah, it does a lap or two around the track, and uh, then the cars stop nicely at the at the starting line. It's really cool. I thought it was brilliant, but I, one thing I was thinking when I was looking at it, and we were just playing playing around with it, not very in you know not that intensely was where the competition in the game is. You know, like with the old slot cars, really the the trick of the game is to get around the corners without coming off. Yeah, and there's a part of that in this. And the track that we set up here, Bill, is... You know, virtually the sort of you know, yeah, square, square, basic model, square with curved corners because it was just really quick to throw together. And I didn't want to raise, you know, put the pieces in to raise the track up for a figure eight. But the configuration that Pablo and I were playing in the in the lounge over the weekend, um, definitely there were cars coming off the tracks from time to time and so on. Um, The control that it gives you is basically you've got an acceleration which you do on the on the screen, Uh, and yeah, if you're going full tilt the whole time then you've got more chance you're going to fly yep. off the track now sometimes when you come when you get off the track um the car will actually manage to find its way back onto the track then yeah. it sees the line and it keeps going i was just sort of floored when that happened when yeah. you you know you used to um you know other things and even just getting them lined up on the start line i was thinking oh, i've got to do that manually and oh it f- you know figured that out uh yeah when it goes the wrong w- way um most times it will figure it out and it just turns itself around oh, and so and keeps going. Um, so, yeah. yeah, but no, once you get a bit more of a complex track and uh, away you go, then, yeah, it can be quite a bit of fun. And, yeah, we both, you know, I was finding I was beating him and then he was beating me. And then you can bring in and you can do challenges against the, the the you know, I guess you're you're somewhat AI-type uh, competitor and you've got characters out of Fast and Furious because this is the Fast and Furious uh, edition. And there are varying challenges. And then you've also got one where you can fire at the other cars. And because they've got LED lights in them, um, you know, basically you take their health down and they start green and then, you know, they, they uh, that gets... Um, dims out and eventually goes you know to to red and uh you know that's when you get the points for uh for taking out the other cars um so it's all it's all kind of fun it's just it's like, pretty just good like auckland motorway really though. it's much like the auckland and it, motorway. you know it, it doubles <laughs> as a demonstration for the future of autonomous mobility yeah. if anyone you know is feeling skeptical here you go there you go. Well, yeah. I, Start with the slot cars. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, this the slot, there's a the long slot way they can take that yeah. technology. So it was fun. It was fun. Um, nice, nice, to, uh, nice to see something a little bit different. And on another episode, we'll talk about um, one of Anki's other products, uh, which is Anki Cosmo, which is a, a, a cool little, uh, little robot. So I think another episode we'll talk, uh, we'll dive in and, and chat more about the Meccano uh, robot. We've got the uh, four foot high uh, one here. We'll dive in a little bit more on that and on the, uh, the Anki uh, robot. So um, yes, all good fun stuff. And um, if there's anybody listening that has cool toys, uh, that their company is distributing or selling in New Zealand, feel free to send them in because we'll, uh, if they're cool, we'll uh, we'll definitely want to talk about them on the podcast. Okay, now we're running out of time. I don't know how time just seems to fly by when we're talking. It always happens with you and me, Bill. <laughs> um, and now there's three of us in here. It's um, you two are so cute. <laughs> Um, (laughs) All right, where where, were we? We were talking phones, 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 iPhone X. I mean, that's kind of the, I guess, the big phone that people have been curious about is, yeah, have Apple nailed it with this one? Have they got something that's really good? Does facial recognition really work to to unlock the phone? Does this whole thing make sense? And should we spend the big bucks because it's a mighty expensive phone? Um, although, Bill, you uh, you picked up that um, you know we've got these two new Huawei phones, the Mate 10 and Mate 10 uh, Pro that are launching, but there's a super premium version of Porsche edition. the Mate yeah. 10, the Porsche edition, which is um, actually comes in and tops the iPhone 10 uh, for pricing twenty three hundred dollars. There you go. Um, which is a lot of money for a phone. I mean, I, I suspect that it's going to have to get you, um, you know, very pally with the opposite gender uh, <laughs> for that sort of money because I can't imagine why anyone would want to spend that much money on a phone, really. But, you know, that's me. 
Well, I think, I mean, different people have different preferences. Sometimes someone just wants something that's different from what yeah, anyone well, else has, I mean, right? And, which I totally and get, but I, unique. I think with this device, though, they missed a real opportunity. If you're going to charge a fortune, build in the wireless charging, there's no wireless charging in this device. And in they, the Huawei. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they yeah. had, they ha- you know, if you're going to go premium, you got to go premium, right? You want, you want the Rolex yeah. with, you know, with the platinum. You don't want to skimp and go silver, right? Like you, you want to make sure that you're owning your market if you're aiming for that higher market. And this, to me, was a. I was actually shocked doing research for the show, and I saw that they hadn't gone wireless. It, but you know, you know, I think there's something else going on with Huawei here, and I think what Huawei are doing more than. I mean, obviously, they want to sell phones. That's you know, that's that's, that's obvious. But I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to position themselves in a market. They want to, they want to be seen as being you know at least the equal of Apple and Samsung in every respect. You know and. That's why, and, and that includes being able to charge as much as those guys. So I think that, or, or in fact, in this case, more than those guys. Um, so I think there's messaging going on. I think the Porsche model is really about the message rather than about you know selling phones. Well, and the, and there's that, yeah, there, there's yeah. The, yeah, there's something to be said about an association and a partnership with Porsche, yeah. right? But the other thing is, is um, years ago. Years and years and years ago, I'm talking you know, back before there was such a thing as the IBM PC even, um, you used to get – there, there was a number of companies had a range of computers at different price points, which were actually technically identical machines. Um, and when they tried selling them, the, you know, remember the specifications were identical. They could do exactly the same things. They just looked different. People would always buy the most expensive one. I mean, you know, the most expensive model would outsell the cheaper models by five or six to one. Um, so there's definitely a, 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 a thing in technology consumption where people just want the best. You know, I'm just going to get the best. And when you think about it, it's not that much more. I mean, okay, $2,300 is a, is a huge amount of money for a phone. I mean, and I just said earlier that I probably would never pay that. But when if, if you get any kind of productivity improvement from that you're not actually paying very much that extra bit of productivity i mean the if you're paying three hundred dollars more for the for the super duper phone over the okay phone but you can save a few minutes a day or or do things you couldn't otherwise do that three hundred dollars isn't really very much to pay so um, so there's a case for always buying the best technology you can so you know maybe it's mm. not so daft and there's also an aspect of um yeah, that that design element, right? And yep. and that's why people will walk into a Porsche design store, or you know, there's a, a you know, other high end um, you know r- design focused retailers, uh, and will pay a real premium price for something that well, there's I've, not going to be a whole lot of people there's one with. Other thing, right? There's the Huawei's a Chinese company, and boy, do the Chinese get bling. You know, it's, it's amen a, to that. Yeah, that is yeah. that is the truth. Gifts, bling, glam. That is definitely the know yeah. your market, and I think they know their market. So, so, one. so you know, you'll find right that rap artists and just about everyone in China will want to buy that phone. Well, so I think actually what we're talking about is really interesting. So in terms of productivity, I think you, you touched on something very interesting there, right? So when does price point become less relevant? And for me, so I'm sitting here with my old iPhone 6S because I still use my headphone jack. And I'll be honest, but I'm an Apple ecosystem human being. Now, two minutes ago, Paul was nice enough to let me mess around with his new iPhone X. And as someone who creates content for a living, I took three selfies and I'm already convinced that I need to upgrade. So I will be going home and upgrading. And I think that's very interesting because last gen, it wasn't enough for me. It was decreased productivity. I would have to be adding more bits to be able to run a movie show, to be able to do all the stuff that I do. Whereas when I looked at this, I thought, oh my God, less editing in whatever I can do to help pro up the fact that I basically run a studio from my pocket computer. So I'm, I'm excited about the X. I'm more excited. I, I don't expect phones to change the world. I think, I think the, the improvements we saw in the early years of mobile, it's hard to replicate now. It's hard to have something that's just totally earth shattering, but I look at the platform, I look at the ecosystem and, Frankly, I look at its ability to document and capture, and that's where I make my decision. Well, and, and I'm the same. I mean, I've got I've, my phone, the phone I've actually paid money for, and it's, you know, it's not a review phone. It's the phone I carry all the time, is, a, is an iPhone 7 Plus. And it's, a, it's about, what, two, $300 more than the 7 model. 
But um, on many occasions, I found myself with some time to spare. I'm sitting somewhere, and I can, and I'm a journalist. I can actually write a story on the phone screen. I can tap it out. I wrote a thousand word story on a flight once um, between here and um, Christchurch, and that's productivity. I mean, I, I, I probably earned the three hundred dollar margin the very first time I did that. So, the extra that you pay for better technology. It's generally a good investment. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it, dep- it depends on what it is, and you've got to get the right the right fit. You know, sometimes it's I a different. Feel it's, right you know, it's well, the yeah. difference between a, um, I don't know, you know, one chip and 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 the next, but the the bottleneck you have isn't necessarily you know uh, CPU performance. Then you know, paying an extra five hundred dollars to go from you know one i seven to to another, you know, might not work for you. Yeah. But if you're the guy that's doing uh, video editing. Or uh, you know GIS or CAD or you know one of one of these uh, areas where you need a lot of grunt, uh, then that can that can be well worth it. So you know it's going to vary from individual to individual. Now the diving into the iPhone um, uh, ten or or iPhone X as 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 it's written, a um, few things that that stood out. Uh, the the facial recognition doesn't work all the time. So there are some scenarios. The common, the common one I've found is in the car. The, when I put it into, um, into my wife's car, into Selena's car, the way that the, um, the, the, what do you call it? The, the, the phone holder is set up. It doesn't point at my face. So if I drop it in there and I haven't unlocked it first, then I'm going to have to key in my pin, which isn't really a big deal. But just it's well, worth it is being driving. Well, <laughs> well, well, yeah. Once if you once you're driving, then yeah, that is that is probably a good point, Bill. Um, Hypothetically, so, you're not touching your device in those moments, though. And if you're well, if you're, you're legally you're allowed to touch it in New Zealand as long as it's in the holder. Um, but you want to be so many ways I could take that right now, but as, we'll just, uh, as, as light as uh, as possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk, talking phones here, folks. Um, so there are some scenarios. Um, there is maybe a, a distance thing. So you've got to you know realize if you hold it too close or too far away uh, from your face, then it's not going to be able to recognize you. Uh, and I've found if you if you're you know lying dazed in the morning, you wake up and your phone's going off, and you pull it up to your face, it doesn't always recognise. And I don't know whether that's because I'm blurry-eyed, whether I'm holding it too close, um, what, exactly what it is. But um, I have to make a bit more effort to unlock my phone. So those scenarios, the fingerprint reader would probably be better. Uh, but then there are other scenarios where the fingerprint reader is not so good. You've got you know wet hands, uh, food on your hands, or something like that. Then actually, the facial recognition is uh, is much better. So food all over it's a face. it's a bit of um, you know so there, there's pros and cons either way but uh, I got pretty used to it pretty quickly. I was having no button on the front of your phone and it's all gestures. Um, that's mostly pretty good. There's there's a you know a few little things to it. It's a little bit harder to close an app, uh, but you know the more you get uh, the more you get used to it. Um, not not really a, a big deal, and it's nice having that bigger screen real estate. Unfortunately, most of the software, most of the apps yet don't take full advantage of the bigger screen. And there are a few apps uh, like Uber where the sort of the back icon that comes up at the top might overlap with one of their uh, icons. It was Uber or Uber Eats I was, I was trying to use in the last 24 hours. And um, yeah, they're basically two things that were overlapping. Um, but that will, those things will get fixed up with a, with a software refresh, on, I'm sure. So um, yeah, overall, those bits are nice. Um, the forward-facing camera, which is what Savannah was talking about, uh, that front face or the front-facing camera, um, that because you've got this 3D piece for the facial recognition, that get it gets utilised when you're taking selfies, and so you can do that bokeh effect or blur the background. Uh, so that's that's kind of slick. And the thing from the phone. Um, that you're used to, Bill, is if you're using the the seven plus, that's got the uh, zoom lens, hasn't it? Mm. Uh, like the like the um, uh, like the eight plus. Yeah. And look, I like that. I like having a zoom lens, but 
I kind of like a slightly small, you know, more standard size phone. Uh, so the 10 gives you that because it's actually got the dual lens. You got that two times zoom lens, uh, built in. So that for me was probably the thing that if I didn't have a, get sent a million different, you know, review phones and have the option of, of, you know, using a phone for an extended period, that would be the thing that would be, um, you know, maybe pushing me up from, uh, from one phone to, to another and considering the extra investment. Um, would be that thing of having a two times zoom lens built into uh, you know, a reasonably standard sized phone with with the big screen that goes top to bottom side you know side to side. I mean, Apple's not going to love me for saying this. In fact, no phone maker is going to love me for saying what I'm about to say. But for the last three years or so, phone development's really been very incremental. It's been it's, we've just seen incremental advantages in. Yeah, you know, maybe in all the in all areas, but it's been yeah, very lot, much, and lo- lots of lots of different areas. Right. The thing about the iPhone X is it increments more. <laughs> That's it, really. I mean, it's incremented a lot more, but it's still it's still largely incremental. I mean, it's not it's not revolutionary in the sense um, that the original iPhone was. Um, but I, what what would be revolutionary to you on that point right now? Well. I think I would be very hard to do, wouldn't? I think phones. I think phones evolved to their point of you know, near perfection about three years ago, and I think, as I say, it's, since then it's been incremental change. The next, the next change is, is going to be something that's not a phone. You know, I don't know what it what it will be, but it will be not a phone. So I, I we don't, keep hearing that, but I still I still don't know what it is yet. I still haven't figured that out. Yeah, no, because because I'm not sure there is something there really, but the. Um, but the, the point is, is that Apple's managed to increment far more than I thought anyone could manage to increment in 2017. All right. Well, there's more. We'll dive into that on future episodes. A um, couple of other things to mention. Nokia's 3310. Um, that has arrived. Had a bit of a play with that. We the, love that, by um, the way. <laughs> I love it, except it doesn't take a nano SIM. So if you're thinking you'll just switch your SIM across to it, and uh, get away from the internet and so on. Uh, it doesn't doesn't do that, but uh, very cool nonetheless. Having a having a retro uh, a retro phone. Now I haven't had as much time uh, playing with the new Huawei Mate 10 and Mate 10 Pro, but I did want to just cover off uh, a few of the highlights since that's uh, that is uh, just launching. Um, look, both of these are very nice and and slick handsets. It's good to see. There being competition at the high end of the market, both of them have really large batteries, 4,000 milliamp hour um, batteries, and they've got the fast charging um, that Huawei has uh, uh, provided and includes that fast charger, which is is something I've seen uh, reports on recently that Apple, uh, although they have some very fast charging available uh, for the iPhone X, that the standard charger doesn't actually uh, deliver those full speeds so something to be uh, to be aware of there look these uh, these handsets are very nice 5.9 6 inch screen the uh, the mate 10 uh, pro uh, uses an OLED display and of course it's OLED OLED uh, technology that's also in the iPhone uh, 10 there are also some similarities uh, to a degree in that uh, both companies have have put an effort in with uh, you know customizing the uh, the processing uh, chips and um, you know the internals of these smartphones um, to do AI type uh, functionality. And in the case of the uh, the Mate 10, it's able to do some recognition on the fly when you're taking uh, photos. You hold your camera up. It uh, it recognises that a person in there is that a dog, um, you know, has some of those smarts that are that are built in, and it's also able to run on the device without being um, connected to the cloud. Uh, it's able to do translation uh, on uh, on the device at this stage. Um, now the translation, I believe, is uh, is photo um, based at this stage. Um, so not audio just yet, but it's able to uh, to, to do that with images uh, using Microsoft uh, Translator. Um, I'm sure this stuff will uh, will improve that in the internal sort of uh, neural processing unit that does that um, uh, does the smart stuff um, will be leveraged more over time. And I think Google Translate um, is likely to uh, to come to the Huawei. Um, 
in the not too distant future as well. Um, lots of lots of stuff to uh, to to like here, uh, but I'll share a little bit more once I've had more time to uh, to play with it. Uh, but you know, very nice to see really all our top smartphone uh, makers uh, stepping up with some some pretty strong releases uh, this year. So uh, plenty of of good choices in the market if you're wondering what to spend your money on over uh, over the upcoming uh, Christmas season or if it's time to uh, to replace your existing smartphone with uh, with a new model. So looking at the clock, I think that's it for this episode. So thank you both very much for uh, for joining the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, Savannah, where do we track you down online? Please do track me down. You can find me, Savannah Peterson. I'm on LinkedIn, savannahpeterson.com, and probably most excessively on Twitter at SavIsSavvy, S-A-V-I-S-S-A-V-V-Y. I look forward to chatting with you there. Excellent. And Bill? Um, BillBennett.co.nz is my website, and BillBennettNZ is my Twitter handle. Um, that's really the only place you're going to find me these days. That's good. That's good. And people are welcome to um, to reach me, uh, paulspain.com. You can hit me up through the contact form there. It's got links to uh, to where you will track me on uh, social media as well. And, of course, you're welcome to, uh, to connect through those channels, including uh, LinkedIn, where I'm putting some of my videos these days. All right, that's us for this week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll catch you again next week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.